98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. That's right. One-stop shopping when it comes to what's going on in sports. We call it the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Everything you need to know about what's going on in sports in one spot. 4 o'clock every day. We start and end with local basketball, starting with the Mercury hitting the road in Las Vegas, taking on the number one seed, the Vegas Aces, tonight at 7 o'clock. And as if that wasn't tough enough in this best of three, the Mercury will be without Diana Taurasi. They will be without Skylar Diggins-Smith. This is a team that has won every single matchup. They've played against the Mercury during the regular season, and now the Merc have to win two out of three against them to advance to the next round. Yeah, I give them a lot of credit for winning those final two games. They were good at home this year, the Mercury. I give them a lot of credit without some of their key players finding a way uh, to win that, that game that they needed to win and get into the playoffs. But without Diana Taurasi, without Diggins Smith, it's going to be very difficult. Be very tough. The Arizona Cardinals making a move today. They released linebacker Jesse Lemonier uh, as they get ready for preseason game number two against the Ravens. And then Cliff Kingsbury today talking about his rookie tight end Trey McBride on how he looked at practice today. Made a couple nice catches. He's got to get back in rhythm. It's unfortunate he's been in and out because of back spasms, but when he gets a chance, he usually makes the most of his opportunities. Cliff added he will play Sunday against the Ravens. Okay, there you go. Can't wait to see him, right? He could be a really good part of uh, of this this team this year. Him and Zach Ertz, their ability to catch passes from Kyler Murray. So, listen, when they drafted him, we were all kind of like taken aback because they didn't need a tight end. Big so, time. they drafted him for a reason. Let's see what he can do. We also heard from Marquise Hollywood-Brown for the first time since his arrest for criminal speeding. Very disappointing. I mean, I got a lot of kids that look up to me, so I want to set the right example at all times. He added he was not late to practice when the incident occurred. Of course, he was, you know this, reported it. He was allegedly going 126 miles per hour when he was pulled over for and arrested after yeah, that. Yeah, listen, I mean, just he, just he did a dumb thing. He did a dumb thing. And that's all you got to say. Listen, I made a mistake. It was terrible. I'll never do that again. He said, I'm a guy that doesn't get in trouble, you know, uh, you know, off the field. So let's hope that uh, keeps up. Diamondbacks general manager Mike Hazen was on with Wolf and Luke earlier today, and he hinted that what Gambo has been hinting at about Corbin Carroll could very soon be reality. Corbin's doing a good job. You hopefully will see him here in a bit, usually around September call-up time is when we'll start to talk through giving some exposure uh, to some of these younger kids. But we still have a lot of players on our Major League team right now that we're trying to give opportunity to that are good players in their own right. Uh, and we're trying to see what they can do given an extended run of everyday at bat. Corbin Carroll considered one of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball. Some believe he's the top prospect in Major League Baseball. You've been saying for a while, September, and Hazen didn't come right out and totally confirm that. But he's yeah. pretty much hinting that that's going to be the case with Corbin Carroll. Yeah, and it's really about just making sure that he has as not, um, as many reps in left field and right field as possible because he's going to be a corner outfielder, not a center fielder when he comes up. Diamondbacks did call up another prospect today. Outfielder Stone Garrett got called up. Seth About Beer yeah. was sent down. He'll be batting fifth tonight. Arizona takes on the Giants following last night's collapse in the bottom of the ninth. <sighs> Ian Kennedy on to get the save, and he couldn't get the save. A two-run homer by Brandon Crawford. A walk-off variety in the bottom of the ninth in the Giants. What a disappointing night for the D-backs and Merrill Kelly. That was, and I love one nothing baseball games, and that was a great game. And Merrill Kelly was outstanding, and it's a shame that this 
bullpen, Melanson and Kennedy have struggled so mightily because they would basically be one game out. They they could be a wild card team right now, or right in the thick of things for a wild card if the bullpen had done their job. Two Jameses in Los Angeles got some new deals today. Chargers and All-Pro safety Derwin James agreed to terms on a four-year, $76.4 million contract extension. It's an average annual value of $19.1 million. It resets the safety market. James saw, is now the highest-paid safety in NFL history. I saw Buda Baker congratulate him. Congrats on that, that contract. Keep, keep making that safety money go up. It's only going to help us all in the long run. And then LeBron James, two-year, $97 million contract extension that includes a player option for the 2024-25 season. It also includes a trade kicker, which is going to make it difficult to trade him. Not impossible, but difficult. LeBron went on record. I make that much money in a two-year deal. Like That should be like a four-year deal. Of course, it should be. A five-year deal. Six-year deal. Not that long ago, that was a six-year deal. Six years, $100 million. Right. Two Two years, years. $100 million. Two years. What? LeBron went on the record back in February saying his last year in the NBA will be on the same team as his son, Bronny. Bronny's not eligible to join the NBA for two more years, so the end of this deal would take him there. Whether he's... Look, say what you want about LeBron, all right? He was great last year for them. Statistically, it was a really good season for LeBron James, and he had to be, with Westbrook being as bad as he was, and Anthony Davis being as hurt as he was, LeBron James did what he could to carry that team last year. 37, 38 the dude can still play. I mean, I don't know what his game's going to look like two years from now, but he can still play in this league at a very high level. Yeah, these are, I mean, it's so rare that you see, a, I mean, LeBron James, Tom Brady, it happens where an athlete could be great at this at this late stage, it, but it's just so rare. Yeah. You know, an athlete's prime, it's somewhere between 27 and 32, you, and you expect a decline. At 33, 34, you expect a decline. But our top story of the day today on the Burns and Gambo show, and we don't treat it with the same amount of like celebration or reverence that we do with the NFL schedule release. But today at noon, the Suns schedule dropped, and it included a lot of stuff that we were expecting it to. A lot of nationally televised games, 34 to be exact, 11 on ESPN, 9 on TNT, 2 on ABC. They're going to play on Christmas Day for the second straight year. Get yeah. ready to put a little Bailey's in your coffee on Christmas night because the game tips off Man. at 8.30 on Christmas night. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a lot of eight thirty games. I'm looking at this guy, but there's one, there's one game I actually circled on my calendar here. Yes, I think it's a little why. bit. I think it's a little bit greater than all the others. Um, I, I'm going to go to January. I'm going to go to January nineteenth. TNT broadcast eight p.m. The Suns against Brooklyn. Why is that a big game? Well, the DeAndre Ayton is eligible to be traded on. Now, he remember, he has a no-trade clause all year long. Of course. But he's actually eligible to be traded on January 15th. He cannot be traded until January 15th. So it's just like the, the schedule makers, just the things that they do, the first nationally telecast game that is Brooklyn and the Nets, uh, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets and the Suns, right after that that date, that yeah. I, that Aiton could be traded. That Aiton could be traded. Now, you've already reported the Nets have no interest in Aiton, and no. if Aiton does enough in the first couple of months of the season that the Nets would change their mind about that, then you'd have to consider that the Suns might want to keep Aiton if he plays well enough to make Brooklyn yeah. change their mind about but him. Remember so. what I said? I reported on June 30th, the day that the Nets had no interest in, in, in Aiton. I was able to find that out very quickly. The Nets had no interest in him. But that, like, that, like, 
I don't know if like in January, if they change their mind, I can't do anything about that. I could just tell you on, in June, they didn't have any interest in Aiton. What happens in January? Who knows? Who knows what would happen well, in January? I, I think a lot depends on how he plays. But again, if he plays well enough that the Nets would change their mind, I think the Suns might say, you know what? We're good. We're fine. We want to keep him. We like this version of him. We, yeah, we, we that's don't want to look at it, him. isn't yeah, it? Of course. I mean, hey, he's playing so well. The Nets, the Nets will want him. No, we're going to keep him. He's playing so we're well. Good. Now, maybe it's still, you know, Kevin Durant, you want Kevin. But that is really interesting timing because as much as people are going to want to deny that that's going to be an angle going into the season, it's going to be an angle going into the season. People are going to look at that date as some sort of a threshold for DeAndre Ayton. And once he crosses it, you better believe there's going to be some rumors about Ayton, at least up until the trade deadline. What would that be, like a month, month and a half later? Usually later. it's like the end of February. Yeah, yeah. so that's the date I, I, I circle. January 19th, Brooklyn and the Suns. The other thing to consider, too, is in addition to opening the season against the Dallas Mavericks, five of the Suns' first seven games. Well, these are brutal. The Mavs, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Pelicans, and Minnesota. Yeah, tough schedule. They're all nationally televised. They're mm-hmm. all marquee premier games that the league is trying to promote. Five of their first seven games are against some of the very best teams in the, the Western Conference. And the two Conference. games in between are at Portland and at home against Houston. So you would expect that you win those games because those teams are not very good. But, the, you know, it's the West is just, listen, we know the West is going to be tough. And Jamal Murray's going to be back. You expect Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. Memphis has improved. Minnesota should have improved. We saw New Orleans get some confidence. The West is going to be juggernaut. When we come back, they were one out away. One strike away. And they blew it. Again, that's next. Burns and Gambo Show. 88.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Now the pitch. Crawford swings. High drive to center. Thomas back at the track. Leaps. It's a home run to win it. Shot for Crawford, and the Giants walk it off with one out to spare. Consider this when it comes to the Diamondbacks and that walk-off loss they suffered last night to the San Francisco Giants. The Diamondbacks have lost 63 games this year. 63. They're 53 and 63 right now. Okay? Consider that Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy combined have accounted for 16 of those losses. What's the opposite of dynamic duo? <laughs> the dreadful duo? The dreadful duo? The dreadful duo? The dreadful duo of Melanson and Kennedy. Melanson on the season has 10 losses. Oh my God. Ian Kennedy on the season has 6 losses. They have quick math accounted for roughly 25% of the losses that have been incurred by the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, by the way, have 22 one-run losses. Which 22. has got to be among the most in baseball, right? Close 22 to the one-run losses. Mitch, you got to... It was relatively close, but it's nowhere close to what the Texas Rangers are this they, year. Yeah, they have. They just fired everybody over there, too. Also, so. pitiful pair, I the, think, works. The pitiful pair, pair, that's good. I like pitiful my, pairs better, yeah. My boy Josh Young's about to come up for the Texas Rangers. He's, he's good. killing it. He's really good. He's killing it. Is he? Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's one of the top prospects in baseball. Huh? He's about to come up. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, well, back to the Diamondbacks. Yes. Um, because 63 losses, 16 of them from Ian Kennedy and from Mark Melanson. Okay, even if half of those games, half of them. You're in contention. 
are won by the Diamondbacks instead of loss, or those 22 one-run losses that they've got this year. If they year. won 11 of those games. If they've won 11 of those games. I yeah. mean, that just swings the numbers even more, but let's just focus on the 16 losses. Yeah. You win half of those games, you've got 61 wins and 55 losses, and you're, what, a game out of the last wild-card spot in the National you're League? one game behind the Changes Padres. Everything. Changes everything. Changes one everything. game behind the Padres in the loss column for the wild-card spot. Has. Now, you look at last night's game, you're like, damn, you know, you blame it on, on Kennedy, and I do. I mean, he had two outs, and he gave up a triple, and then he gave up a home run to win the game. But man, that offense, right? If you could just score more See, runs, you, well, you scored one run. I, I'm so glad you said that, because here's the thing. It's it's actually kind of unfair to say 16 losses, man, if you just won half of them. Let's blame the whole thing on Melanson and Kennedy. If you watched that game last night, yeah, Kennedy was the one who gave up the home run. You know what? Score more than one run going into the and ninth inning. And it won't come down to that. And it won't come down to that. One if, run. They have one, one run, run all game. A home run by I, Christian Walker. I, that's it. If memory serves, I don't think they had an at-bat with a runner in scoring position after the fifth inning. I watched the whole game, and you're right. They did not. Not one. They did not. And so, and so, trust me, we've watched this bullpen, we've watched this bullpen struggle for years. We watched them as an organization struggle to figure out who's going to pitch in the ninth inning for years. And they've gone through Boxberger and Joaquin Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney and, yes. and Greg Holland and go on and on with the guys that they tried to be their closer. I'm not trying to say that's not the problem because that is the problem, but that's not the only problem here. You score more than one run in that game, you make Merrill Kelly a winner, you reward him for pitching great, and it doesn't come down to your one strike away or your a walk-off home run by Brandon Crawford. That's where sometimes having this bullpen conversation, it's not just a bullpen, it's a whole bunch of things but, going but on. But the major, look, we got to blame somebody. I mean, I'm, so well, you, you like to blame somebody, yes. Well, who's to blame for last night's game? It's Ian Kennedy. Well, you, you got two outs. the offense, too. Yes, but, yeah, but oh, okay, right. that, that, that's all There's I want to hear. There's a level of blame. I did say the offense. Score more runs. The, but the bottom line is the Diamondbacks have a major problem getting getting the game finished at the end. Yes, they do. Like, their eighth and ninth inning is no good. It's no good. It's like, I, again, I keep saying, I think Brad Ziegler was the last time they had a good guy in the bullpen that I felt like people ask, should man apply clothes? Yeah. Like, right now, I will try anything. I'll try anything. Because what they are going with is not working. Frustrating game last night. It should have been a great win for the D-backs. And I'm not, like, like, that was a really good win they were about to have. Matter of fact, I actually had, I actually had like something like on, on, right on Twitter, like ready to go. I had like that black backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> like what a great win for the D-backs site, you know. You were ready no, to hit I was send ready. On I was ready. Yeah. I just had a waiting for that last out. It didn't come. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's a shame. And I said, what a damn shame that they lost that baseball game, you know, because they just couldn't get that final out. Yeah, and it's too bad too, because Merrill Kelly just continues oh. to be, uh, it, and, and granted, a lot of it has come against the Giants. He's owned them. He's owned them since July 1st. He's got four starts against them. He's pitched so very well. Now, you know their record in San Fran is now two and nineteen. Yeah, in the last twenty-one yeah. games. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's it's not two and nineteen. Yep, there was some thought back at the beginning of the series that maybe the Diamondbacks could do well enough to pass San Francisco eventually yeah, for third in the division. That doesn't look like it's going to be happening anytime soon. Speaking of things that will be happening soon for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Mike Hazen on with Wolf and Luke today was asked the question: How soon until we see Corbin Carroll? Corbin's doing a good job. Um, <laughs> you you hopefully will see him here in a bit. Obviously, usually around September call up time um, is when we'll start to talk through uh, calling up or bringing up, giving some exposure uh, to some of these younger kids. Um, you know we have a group of players now at the major league level we are trying to figure out where they're going to fit moving forward so there's a balancing act 
You brought up an interesting question earlier. When he comes up, and he, he will be here, right? When Corbin yes. Carroll comes up, I, I would I would like him to get the majority of the at-bats at one of the corner outfield spots. Oh, he will. They'll play him every day outside of an odd day off. I was yeah. just going to say, so is it at whose expense? At, and you brought up that question earlier. Is it Jake McCarthy? It's is not, it just, it's not, hey, thanks for playing? See no, but no, because they. what you'll do is you'll play him in left, and McCarthy will sit one day. Then you can play him in right, and Varsho can sit. Then you can play him in left. So he, you're talking the last month of the season. But you also remember, now you also have the DH. So you could have McCarthy DH, you could have Varsho DH to get them some at-bats. But he will play just about every single day when he comes up as a corner outfielder. Now, he's a center fielder, too, but Alec Thomas is too good. He's not going to replace him. So he'll come up, he'll be a corner outfielder. You've got the DH to play with now to get those guys, you know, to keep those guys fresh and get them extra extra at-bats. Yeah, and the one thing I always wonder about the DH, and I'm looking for today's lineup because I, I know it. Okay, so Carson Kelly's the DH today. Still, still no Cattell Marte. He's nursing that hamstring yes. injury, and that He's not had a great year. No, and that beca- but the, and that's why you made me think about the DH spot because that becomes sort of a default landing spot for him, right? To get for him Cattell. his at bats, yeah, for Cattell to not risk him playing out in the field because that hamstring, yeah, it's been all year. It's been bothering. Look, I'm, but, I'm, but this season is about you got to make sure like Cattell's a big part of the future. You're not you're not rushing him back to get him you know with these these extra at bats. So I. Think think that you'll, you know, Cattell could DH when he comes back. But again, McCarthy and Varsho could DH as well. Carroll's going to play. They're not bringing him again. Remember what I said to you. This is a one-way ticket. The expectation is this is a one-way ticket that he, once he gets here, he's here for good. Oh, I expect that too. I, I just, the other guys have been playing well. Dalton Varsho's been playing well. Jake McCarthy's been a stolen well, I really machine. Like, I really like McCarthy. Um, he, he's been good. And I, I, he is so fast. At some point, choices are going to have to be made. They're worth being made. I mean, at this point, why not take a look at Corbin Carroll? But how exactly it works, I'll be I'll be sort of curious to see when it comes to the D-backs. Same two teams tonight. You'll hear it here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And as always, you can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you. It's always open for you during Burns and Gambo. You can text us at 620-620 right now. Being a champion of hope is more than just donating a monthly amount to Phoenix Children's Hospital. It's impactful both with you, your family, and at PCH. We'll tell you all about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Burns and Gambo Show. So many different ways you can give right now to Phoenix Children's Hospital. You can go to giveathon for pch.org. You can text the word give to 620-620. We'll send you a link. You can donate that way. Or probably the simplest way is just pick up the phone and call in the Desert Financial Credit Union phone bank. 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. As once again, Gambo, all week long, it's our annual give-a-thon for Phoenix Children's Hospital. And um, don't want to make it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back here because it's about the hospital and not about us. But this is 
the biggest children's hospital fundraiser in the country. In the country, and and that and that speaks to I think more than anything our great audience on this station and on KTAR, and how every time this time of year that great audience makes that choice to donate to this gem, this wonderful yeah. facility, one of the best in the world that we have here in our very backyard. Look, you can make a difference. You really can, and and the hospital needs your support right now because the, the population in Arizona keeps growing and growing and growing, right? And so the need for great pediatric healthcare services is tremendous. So PCH sees the future. They see it, and they want to be able to offer great care to every child, regardless of the, the how much money you make or whether you have insurance or not. They want to be able to offer care for all of these kids. But your gift does make a difference. Don't ever think it doesn't because it really does. And we say this all the time. The need is great and the kids, they can't wait. They need the help. They do. You and I have been to the hospital. We've done shows from the hospitals. We've we've delivered teddy bears at the hospital. There are 70 plus services that the hospital offers that are directly funded by charitable donations like this. Directly funded. Like the, without the charity, without the donations, they wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be able to exist. They, they 70 plus different services, the school, the, the therapy, therapy dogs, music the therapy. art therapy, right. The, the, oh, different the therapy dogs make such a difference oh, for those they kids. They sure do. I mean, you think you think the kids light up when we bring them a teddy bear? Yeah. You wait till that dog comes in the room. Oh, my God. And they just know exactly what to do, those dogs. They, oh, they, they know how to make you happy. So well trained, but that yeah. all goes away with, you know, out this kind of funding. That's what this funding is paying for. So, again, we're asking you to donate. We're asking you to call the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 6 602-933-4567. We've got volunteers standing by right now, and they want to hear you say, I want to be a champion of hope. They want to hear you say, yep, 20 bucks a month. And we know it's tough, but if you can do it, we think it would be a great way to end your Wednesday afternoon as you're driving home. Donate $20. Become a champion of hope. $20 per month. Then go home, have dinner with your family, and talk about what you just did. Great life lesson for your children to hear about your ability to give back to the community. All right, a check presentation, and this one comes from good friends of ours, people that we know very, very well, that we've been working with for many, many years. A check presentation from our friends at V's Barbershop. Hi, Jim Valenzuela here from V's Barbershop. At V's, we're pleased to partner with Phoenix Children's Give-A-Thon to raise over $5,000 for the most worthy cause we can think of, our children. If you want to donate and participate in this, please do. We welcome the support, and there's no better place to put your money. If you want to call 602-933-4567, somebody to answer your phone, be happy to take your information, and let's do it together. Let's make Phoenix Children's the best it can be. Jimmy. There you go. Jimmy. Jimmy V. Jimmy V. V's Barbershop. They did a day of giving uh, about a month and a half ago where they took a portion of the proceeds from every haircut at every one of their locations, all 13 across the valley, and donated them to Phoenix Children. So thank you, V's. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you to all the locations for everything they did. They're terrific over there. They do such a good job. All right. What is Phoenix Children's all about? It's about the stories, and it's about the people who go in there searching for care. It's time for another story of hope, and it's presented by Madame Holmes, and it's a story about Linda. Uh, weeks before her due date, Linda's mom learned that her unborn daughter had a very rare genetic condition, which affects the development of the skeletal and reproductive systems. Children with this condition rarely live past their first year, and if they do, they're on life support. But you have not met Linda. It's time for her story. 
I had been admitted for signs and symptoms of preeclampsia, and I was at 38 weeks. They came in, they told us that uh, Linda was more than likely not going to make it and you know asked us if we had chosen a name to which i said i was like yes uh, her name is linda and they said that's great because it, it usually makes the grieving process a lot easier sorry my OBGYN decided that that, she, that we were going to have to be induced so that i would be giving birth on my due date december 25th asked my family for a moment so i went into my bedroom i closed the door and I started rubbing my tummy and I started praying. This child is not mine. This child is yours. And if you allow me to borrow her, we're waiting for her. Around 3, 3.30, I started feeling everything again. <laughs> the doctor said it's time to push. And they had told us, they were like, the one thing that we're looking for is if she can cry. Because the moment she cries, it means that she made it. Because with campomelic dysplasia, the rib cage will either so compact and tight that first breath of air, uh, they can't. Or it'll be so glass-like and fragile that when they take that first breath of air, the the rib cage shatters. 15 minutes is all it took. 15 minutes. And at 4.30, I gave birth. They bring over an incubator with uh, this tiny peanut in it. <laughs> and they're like, look, this is your daughter. And I'm seeing her through this glass. And I told her, I was like, Linda, you hang on in there. They told me that she wasn't going to make it past the birthing stage. She did. Um, they said her prognosis was a year. She's now eight. They told me that she shouldn't really be moving or really doing much of anything, that she was going to be in pretty much a vegetative state. They told me that she wasn't probably going to be able to eat. Right now, we're finally decreasing her formula feeds, and her doctors are hoping that we will eventually be able to wean off that NG tube. And she's eating. She's eating foods of all types. They told me that she wasn't going to be able to really move or have much mobility. Linda started crawling last August. She's still wheelchair bound, but man, should you see her in that wheelchair. She enjoys popping wheelies, looking and seeing fast cars. And to her in her wheelchair, she'll say, I go vroom vroom. <laughs> Every specialist there, they're just amazing at having levels of compassion, of, of empathy. They're not just trying to solve our problems, they're trying to work with us to find a solution. Again, life with her, it's had its challenges, and there are more, more often than not, we have to make adaptations. But she doesn't really see herself as different. Or if she does, she doesn't show it. <laughs> 
It's maybe my favorite part of the story is that line there at the end about how they're not just trying to solve a problem at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Now, of course, they are, right? I mean, that's ultimately what they're there for. But they're also there because they understand how difficult this is to go through as a child, as a parent. And they're there to solve the problem, but they're also there to empathize with you a little bit. Like, we understand how difficult this is. We understand Great what you're counselors. going for. Right. We're, we're here not only to help fix this for you as best we can, but to also help get you through it as best we can. You, the parent, you, the child, yeah. and not just fixing the problem. That's one of my, I think, favorite things that I hear about PCH all the time is that it, it's, it's not just about fixing people. It's about helping people and empathizing with the struggles that they're going through because it's hard. You know, well, there's a lot of, think about the siblings that have to go through that, right? right? The, feel, the siblings feeling of, you know, mom and dad and paying all the attention to my brother and my sister and not me. And, you know, just that's like, that's hard. That, that's, that stuff's really difficult. But man, that, that just the, the love that a mother has for her children is just second to none in this world, isn't it? It's the best. It's absolutely the best. Time for a match. You heard that wonderful story. Let's match your donation right now, dollar for dollar. Let's give a phone call right now to the Desert Financial Phone Bank at 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. Because right now, Fry's Food Stores is matching every single donation that comes in right now. Dollar for dollar. 602-933-4567. Now, we love the matches. Your $20 becomes $40. Your $40 becomes $80. $100 becomes $200. Hey, if you don't fight, donate $500, it's $1,000 with the match. 602-933-4567. These are really great times to call because your money goes so much further. Rachel and Chandler, she donated $1,500. Mary and Sun City West, $1,200. Patrick and Scottsdale, $1,000. But then there's Chris and Phoenix, $400. Maria and Mark both became champions of hope as well. Renee in Avondale has done the same thing. So is Catherine in Chandler. Your donations getting matched right now thanks to Fry's Food Stores on the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567. And of course, do you want to mention that not only will we take a teddy bear in your name up to one of the kids at the hospital right now when you become a champion of hope and donate $20 a month, you will also get your choice, a free kids pass to the Wildlife World Zoo or a free polish and shine wash from Cobblestone How about Auto that? Spa. Yep. Give a little bit, get a little bit, get, give a little, get a, get a little, get a little back. Excuse Call me. 602. Yeah, you'll get it. 933-4567. Let's fire up that train Teddy Bear Express. We've already seen the calls coming in. We already know a couple of bears are going upstairs. Over 300 kids in the hospital right now. We want all of them to get a bear. You can make that happen by being a champion of hope. And we'll put one of those bears on the train Teddy Bear Express that's headed upstairs right now at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Again, the number 602-933-4567. When we come back, James Conner, yeah. Daryl Williams, yeah. Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, Keontae Ingram, are they all a yes for the Diamondbacks? And if so, or for the Cardinals, I should say. And if so, at whose expense? We'll talk about that coming up. Burns and Gambo. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Well, 
the thing about this game coming up on Sunday, yeah, obviously it's going to be more noteworthy for the guys who aren't going to be playing. The Cardinals have already kind of come out and said it's going to be pretty much the same group that we saw last week, so a lot of the starters are going to sit. Kyler is confirmed that he's not going to play at all in the preseason. Uh, the Ravens have come out and said no Lamar Jackson. I mean, again, this is not a surprise. This is how teams are dealing with the preseason. They're not going to play guys unless they absolutely have to learn about guys, but there is, there should be, if all goes according to plan at least, one guy we look forward to seeing in the preseason game on Sunday, and that's going to be Trey McBride. As today, Cliff Kingsbury said that he's going to play, and he's been dealing with a back injury, and given that he is the closest thing the Cardinals have to a first-round pick, he wasn't, but he was a second-round pick, they didn't have a first-rounder, there'll certainly be some sense of anticipation to see what the rookie tight end has to bring, because I would imagine he's going to get decent plays on more than that, more than just a sense, like, I think that there's general, there should be a lot of excitement about this kid's ability to be one of the better, like, better tight ends. We, we haven't had a Travis Kelsey here, right? We haven't had one of those great tight ends. I mean, you look at these teams around the league, Kansas City, San Francisco, these teams that have great tight ends, like, man, yeah. you know, I, I, you've always wanted, how many years have we talked about how the Cardinals have never had a good tight end? That they've never really had one. Only every other Sunday. Like, every, like they've just never had one. For years. I mean, every I, other Sunday. Ever since, like, I've been here since 97. The Cardinals have never had a good tight end. You know, I go back to when they got Johnny McWilliams. And remember when they made that trade for the guy from the Chargers? They, they made a trade uh, to get a tight end from the Chargers. Like, Fred, I can't remember. But they, they, they've never had a good one. So now you've got the potential to have a guy that many people project will be one of the top five tight ends, tight ends in the league catching the football. Yeah, there should be a lot of excitement about him. Yeah, I'm excited. It's my excitement about him is just a little tempered by the fact that they still have Zach Ertz. You know, and if Zach Ertz wasn't on the roster, then yeah, I'd be like, okay, Trey McBride, go get him. Let's see what you got. I I, I have a feeling that Zach Ertz is going to get so many targets from Kyler because he got so many targets last year from Kyler. It 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 puts a little bit of a drag on my expectations for McBride going into his rookie year. Yes, eventually I'm excited about him being that guy. I think it's going to be hard for him to be that guy when Zach Ertz is on the roster. And when Max Williams comes back, because I mean, Max Williams, man, he was pacing to have an unbelievable year last year for the Cardinals, relatively speaking, before he got hurt. So, But he's a good player. Like, he's a solid player. It's just, it's a luxury to have, right? If you have three, uh, Zach Zach Ertz is the best pass-catching tight end they've had. He is the best one that they've had. But they've had what Rob Hausler remember we thought Rob Hausler might be pretty good and it's just man it'd be nice if they can draft one and develop one to be their own you know dominant tight end it's been a search that has gone on forever and ever and ever now as we get closer to the regular season opener which is still you know three weeks away three and a half weeks away whatever the exact number is uh, the roster as it starts to take shape We'll be really curious to see. I mean, yes, most of the starters are set. Yes, most of the main lineup is set. But, of course, on the fringes, on the margins, there's always decisions to make with this roster. And maybe one of the big ones to really keep an eye on will be in the running back room. And the reason we say that, there was a story this morning on azcardinals.com about Jonathan Ward and how he's trying to stand out in that running back room and how he's got a little bit of an advantage baked in because he's such a good special teams player and has been. But that room is crowded. Jonathan Ward, Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams, they signed in the offseason. Keontae Ingram, they like him very much out of USC. 
It's all led to the possibility, and something we talked about earlier. Keeping five backs. Could they keep five yeah. running backs on they the could. roster? They could. I probably would have said going into the into camp that they'll keep four, and you know one guy's going to be out, and that you know I probably thought Keontae Ingram was probably best suited for the practice squad. But there's a chance that they keep five. There's a chance it just takes away from another position if you keep five. But and I guess a lot depends on special teams too, because Ward, you know, you could keep Ward because he's such a good special teams player. Um, but I, I, they like Ingram. They do. They like him. So I do think there's a, there's an outside shot that they could go with the five running backs. But there is also the possibility that you could get Keontae Ingram and put him on the practice squad. Yeah, if you can get him through without him being claimed by yeah. somebody else. I mean, that's going to be one of the challenges. I, I think more so than that, the challenge will just be, okay, if you're going to keep five of these running backs, then then what are you keeping one less of? Is it offensive line? Is it is it quarterback? Is is I don't think it's going to be wide receiver. Um, where, where are you keeping one? I mean, yesterday we were talking about the linebackers on this team. Without batting an eye, you can name the eight guys that you know are going to make this team. And if they keep nine... Then you, the ninth then, one's then where Victor Dimukeji comes in. Devon or Devon Kennard or something like that. So Yeah, because you look at Dimukeji, like, wow, we had two sacks. He was great. Where's he, where's he fit? Where's he fit? Right. You probably got to keep nine to keep him. Yeah, and so if you keep... You see where I'm going. You keep nine there. You keep three quarterbacks because you like Trace McSorley. You Pretty soon you add it up and go, okay, we can't keep everything. You can't you, you can't have a one in excess of every position. That's right. why it's cut down day. You have to make difficult decisions. Five running backs, I'll be honest with you. See, in my opinion, and I, I, I understand they like all five guys. Seems a little excessive in my book. See, it seems like, and not just because I'm, you know, running back guy or anti running back guy, as it were. It just seems like, do you really need five? No, because, because the, no, man, you don't. The, the, the ones you keep. They better be special teams ballers. They better go out there. Well, and you know, better... one guy is a special teams baller. Absolutely. And he's the one guy I feel the best about making the cut because I know he's a special teams baller. Yeah. It almost, like, it's just weird because the other two guys, Eno and Keontae Ingram, man, it's just been glowing report after glowing report, review after review. I mean, Daryl Williams, he had a thousand yards from scrimmage last year for you're Kansas City. You're going to cut him? <laughs> you know, I no. mean, it's it's difficult decision when it comes to these guys. And five just seems a little I think you, excessive. I think you try to get McSorley on the practice squad. You just go with two quarterbacks. You just, you know, you open yourself up that if somebody likes him more than they like their backup, they can just, like what the Cardinals did last year, just come in and grab him. If, as long as you keep him on the 53-man roster, you're, you're good. All right, the Arizona Cardinals need help at corner, and Gambo has been saying for a couple of days, a couple of weeks now, he fully expects a trade at that position to add some help. You ask the guys in that room right now, they don't need no stinking help. At least that's what they say. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.